Shalom, shalom, friends. <laughs> Welcome to Uri Litzedek. We are so thrilled to be in conversation today with Edie Klein from Keshet. We hope everyone had a nice Pesach and is back and ready to learn and advocate together. Um, as you know, Keshet is a nonprofit that works for LGBTQ equality in Jewish life. They equip Jewish leaders with tools to build LGBTQ affirming communities, create spaces for queer Jewish teens to feel valued and develop their own leadership skills and mobilize the Jewish community to fight for LGBTQ justice. And I'm thrilled to be here with my friend and colleague, Edie Klein, who is the president and CEO of Keshet. She is a national leader for social justice for more than 25 years of experience in the nonprofit sector. She has served as the leader of Keshet for 21 years, growing it from a local operation to a national organization with a $4 million budget. Under her leadership, Keshet has supported tens of thousands of rabbis, educators, and other Jewish community leaders to make LGBTQ equality, a communal value and imperative. Edith served as executive producer of Keshet's documentary film, Hineni, coming out in a Jewish high school. She also serves on the leadership team of the Jewish Social Justice Roundtable, where Uri Letzedek is also found, and the advisory board of the Safety Respect Equity Network. Edith has received numerous honors, including the Women Who Dared Award from the Jewish Women's Archive, the Not Shown Award from Mayim Chaim, the Women to Watch Award from Jewish Women International, and Inclusion in the Forward 50, a list of American Jews who have made enduring contributions to public life. She and she lives in Boston with her family. Edith, I'm so happy to be talking with you. I'm so happy to be talking to you. And, you know, it's remarkable, Shmuley. I, you know, we, we have only interacted in this way, you know, faces, faces, faces on a screen. Sometime we'll have to do this live. Yes, we will have to do this live. And um, I'm very much looking forward to that world returning. And it seems like we're headed that way. So to jump right in here, um, Let's zoom out to history, what we can learn from history. What are some, what, what is something you think we can learn from the history of queer advocacy? One of the things that I think queer advocacy teaches us so powerfully, and we see this in the Jewish world and outside of the Jewish world as well, um, is that nothing matters more than the personal story. Nothing matters more than people revealing themselves, revealing what matters to them, revealing what they care about, um, you know, sharing with one another, this hurts, or this gives me joy, or this is a loss for me that I can't have this thing. I mean, the story of the ongoing movement for LGBTQ rights is a story of one, kind of people having the courage to be themselves in the world with their loved ones and then moving out you know, from the innermost circles to the broader most circles. Um, and in those moments you know, of being out and saying, this is who I am, this is who I love, this is my gender, and let me tell you what it's like to be me in the world. Minds have changed, hearts have been touched so much so that the world is now full of people who really cannot believe that the world was ever any different. So I'll tell you one very quick story on this. So in Massachusetts, where, where I live, and um, as, as I think you mentioned, Keshet started out as a local Boston organization. Um, and in um, Massachusetts, marriage equality came here first in 2004. Um, and immediately there was an attempt to rescind 
marriage equality by passing a one man, one woman constitutional amendment in the state uh, in the state constitution in Massachusetts. So although marriage equality, um, same sex marriage became legal in May 2004, there was an immediate attempt to rescind uh, that new right. So from 2004 to 2007, um, Keshet, among others in the Jewish communities in Massachusetts and many others in a, in a much broader coalition, fought to defeat that proposed constitutional amendment. Well, back in 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, during the years of the fight, there was no consensus in the even very liberal Boston Jewish community around marriage equality. We used to stand with a big banner that said the Massachusetts Jewish community supports equal marriage in front of the state house, the Massachusetts state house. And members of the Jewish community used to march up to us and scream at us. How dare you stand here? You don't, you don't represent the Massachusetts Jewish community. So when I tell this story today, people almost don't believe me because it seems so foreign and so far from the reality today, both within Massachusetts and more broadly in, the, in most of the national Jewish community in terms of there being a consensus around marriage equality. So, um, so again, it is um, you know, a, a movement of change happening be, you know, that starts with one-to-one -one conversations, people recognizing that there is someone before them who they care about, who is hurt by being disenfranchised and realizing there's something that I can do to make it better for this person. I love that. I love that. And I think you're totally right about this pace of change. And I mean, it's hard to believe. I, 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 I would suggest, and I wonder if you agree, that this has been probably the most successful movement of the last 10 to, 20, 10, 10, 10 to 20 years. I mean, if you look at just President Obama's first administration, his first campaign, he 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 did not support same-sex marriage in his first. And mm -hmm. by his second, of course he of course he did. Yeah, by and, second he was lighting up the White House in rainbow lights. Exactly. And so, and so I think part of my question here is many movements today are guided, are led by or have a culture of anger. Um, and understandably, um, understandably, you know, and I think, like you said, I think that this movement is built around storytelling, um, around empathy building, around pride, around the power of love. And do you think, do you think that that should be only for, particular to the LGBTQ movement? Or do you think other movements should learn from this more kind of positive rather than rage-based approach? Well, I would say that the LGBTQ rights movement really is, you know, indebted to, you know, the civil rights movement and yeah. the suffrage movement and abolition. I mean, you know, there are many, many movements and the labor rights movement. Um, you know, and I think I think every successful movement um, certainly has some anger and and has some rage, but 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 really has 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 love at the core. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so, you know, so yes, I can say that, you know, today they can learn from us as we, as we learn yes. from them. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. So why there's always attacks against LGBTQ people in America, but why do we, do you think we see a, a rise of attacks now in particular? We see a rise of attacks now in particular um, because certain right-wing politicians who want to maintain power, um, who have pretty much given up on same-sex marriage as a wedge issue that you know, can rile up their base, have discovered that if they talk about trans people, if they talk about you know, men in skirts going into bathrooms or now um, you know, 
you know, men masquerading as as women on sports teams, um, that that will really galvanize people um, and will get them to vote for them. I really um, see it as um, a, a vicious, vicious, nasty, mean, cynical ploy. Um, and I see it as cynical and vicious and nasty because polls show that that the majority of Americans, when you actually ask them, do you think people should be able to be discriminated against because of their gender identity? Do you think children should be able to have access to healthcare that their parents believe is good for them? The vast majority you know, you know, do, do support pro-trans, pro-LGBTQ policy, but when um, the kind of fear mongering approaches are used, um, you know, that of course, you know, fans the flames of bigotry and, um, you know, and fans the flames of support for, you know, for, for certain legislators. And of course we are in an, we are in an election year. Yeah, I hear that. And I think part of that demagoguery includes like every boundary you love in the world is being erased and that represents it. Like if gender can be flipped, every boundary we know can be flipped, right? right? There'll be no borders. There'll be no, um, you know, right. Right. Uh, nothing, nothing is secure. Nothing is secure. Exactly. Right. So, um, so thank you for that. And we've got a lot of work to do on that front following your lead. Um, so 21 years, I can't hit, um, what's 20, 20, 20 and a half. It'll 20 be and a half. What, what is something, what is something you've learned? Something I've learned, and I, I feel so so blessed to get to say that I've learned this, Shmuley, something that I've learned is that um, more often than not, when you give people the opportunity to be their better selves, when you invite someone to stretch and be their better self, to go beyond what they thought was possible, to go beyond what they said was possible when they first started talking with you when they first engaged with you, more often than not, they are able to stretch and they are able to go farther than they ever thought was possible. We have seen that you know, countless times over the years, working with staff and leaders in synagogues and day schools and JCCs and federations and elder service organizations and you know, throughout, th throughout the Jewish world. Um, you know, that even, even with, even with those um, who, with whom on at surface, there seemed to be no immediate node of alignment, more often than not, one is able to find a shared value. So you start with a shared value and you build from there and almost inevitably people, people you know, stretch and grow farther than they anticipated. Beautiful, beautiful. I love that. I love that. So one last question for you today. Um, you know, I, I, I think in religious Judaism that diversity is important not only because of the value of diversity in regards to every image of God, every person in the diversity uh, mattering in themselves, but also in that the Torah expands through that diversity. That every unique individual, every unique population has new Torah to add. So, what what is some Torah that 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 queer Jews have to offer us? I, I love that. I love that question. Um, so, some Torah that I think queer Jews have to offer, which I have cherished for quite some time, 
um, really is, is the Torah of the idea of coming out. The notion that each of us, regardless of our identity, including those who espouse kind of all of the most normative conventional identities, that each of us can be more authentic, more fully ourselves, and that and that each of us can bring that fullness and that wholeness and that 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 authenticity that um, you know that, that 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 multiplies more fully to the world, and that in doing so we bring gifts that um, we otherwise never would have imagined that the world would not have been able to anticipate to our immediate Jewish communities and to the broader world. I love that. And it's a way to emulate the divine, it almost seems like, in our re- revelation of self, our coming out of our truth, of our of our transparency of being. So I love that. And I think- Right, uh, right. Like, and as, I mean, as an addition, I would say, you know, people always say that, you know, people say, well, when did you come out? As if it's, you know, you know, a one-time, yes, right, uh, right. You know, a, a one-time event. Right. Um, you know, and of course, you know, I'm 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 49 years old, and you know, I first fell in love with a woman when I was when I was 19, and for me, that was the beginning of you know of of that process. But nearly a day doesn't pass without you know coming out at some point to someone. Just if you interact with humans in the world, you end up coming out to them, and so the challenge that the, the, the loving challenge that I think queer people have to offer, and this is the Torah that we have to offer, is kind of what are the ways in which you come out every day? What are the ways in which you can bring yourself that much more fully into the world, be that much more fully an engaged citizen? And is it is it a problem for us outside of the realm of sexuality and gender to use the the, 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 the phrase coming out, or would you encourage that? I encourage it as long as, um, you know, people do it kind of with, you know, kind of quotes and, you know, a way yeah, that, yeah. that, that, you know, that indicates, right. you know, that in, 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 that indicates, you know, this is, you know, this is inherited or borrowed from another community. Love it. Love it. Friends, follow E.D. Klein, follow Keshet, support their work, join their email list and social media channels. Keep up your amazing work. Mm, thank you so much, Molly. Thank you.